Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? This is the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you like the show, remember, you can listen to episodes the day they come out every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You're about to hear the episode where I interview surrealist painter Salvador Dali and philosopher novelist Ayn Rand. But before we get to that, big news we're doing a live episode of Famous Dead People a right in front of you. You can sit in the audience and see the dead people for yourself on Monday, May 7th at 8 p.m. at the Crane Theater. More information coming up on how you can get tickets to that. But for now, save the date. Monday, May 7th at 8 p.m. at the Crane Theater, our first ever live Famous Dead People. Uh, hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radyforbrooklyn.org. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Ayn Rand and Salvador Dali. Famous dead people. It's time. Famous dead people. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. Oh, you know. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous stories stuck in the heads. You're gonna hear thoughtful from me, even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are early 20th century novelist and philosopher Ayn Rand. And Spanish-born surrealist painter Salvador Dali. Welcome to Dali. Uh, Mr. Dali, Ms. Rand, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, I'd like to start off with uh, with you, Dali. Um, I, you know, I've got a lot. Of, we got a lot of questions to get to, but I, before we do, I have to ask you about my favorite piece of your art. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember the I mean, lobster phone. Shut up! Is that what you were going to say? I was going to gonna say? say lobster telephone. The lobster telephone. How did you know I was going to say lobster telephone? Everyone loves the lobster telephone. For, that that blows my mind. I didn't think that it was that well known of of a of a work of what yours. What are you going to say? One of the crucifixions. Nobody says. That. Or um, you too, know, too, some, something too with the melting clocks. You know, uh, I know. Oh, melting clocks. Uh, you're obviously very familiar with uh, Dolly's work, right? Yes, I am. It is a little bit overrated, in my opinion. Okay, I mean, that's totally fair. But, I mean, do you know about Lobster Telephone? Uh, no. Oh, Lobster Telephone. It, let me just explain it to you because, let I mean, me. you know what? Let, let's let's, let uh, me explain. Salvador Dali to explain Lobster Please Telephone. Do. It's a telephone where the hand cradle is a lobster, which is the most sexual of creatures. I'm sorry, you're saying that the lobster... Is the most sexual creature. That's not... I wouldn't, um... I wouldn't go... Uh, th- that's not where my mind immediately goes when I think of lobsters to sexuality. I would think danger, because mm. they have the pinchers, you know? Yeah. I might even say delicious. It's it's sexy if you're eating them, like if you're having a meal of lobster. I would never eat a lobster. You would never eat a lobster, no. Salvador Dali. No, I would never eat a What is it that you find so sensual about a lobster, if you mind me asking? Well, it's so bright red. Bright red. And hard. And hard. Okay. But slippery. All right, because they live in the water, obviously. And what obviously. do you like sexy about lobster? Do I think it's sexy about lobster? What is this sexy about lobster? Well, it, it's sexy if you're like having a fancy meal and there's like candles. It's very expensive food, so. And a dead lobster in front of you is sexy? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of animals or fish are going to be dead when you eat them. So, like, that's just the thing. Most you, of them, yeah. Yeah, most of them. Uh, there is that one like octopus that you that you're supposed to eat while it's alive. I saw that in that movie Old Boy. Ooh, uh, I don't know if you guys ever great saw that. Film. Yeah, um, but yeah. So you don't find? Are you vegetarian, uh, Ayn Rand? I didn't no. see that on your Wikipedia. I just eat all of my food alive. Alive. Yes, I, I like see. to catch it with my hands and eat it alive. Interesting. Okay. Yes. There's want... nothing like the rush of running through the woods and then. Catching a rabbit, swinging it by its ears, and eating it through its throat. Oh my God! So while it's still kicking, you are ingesting, <laughs> ingesting the rabbit. Wow, that's right. Very turned on. You know, right I'm wondering. Oh my God! Sparks oh. are flying in the studio here today oh. between uh, Ayn Rand and Salvador Dali. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about laptop telephone real quick. Um, you know, so so you were saying that you put the lobster where the hand, the 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 what do you call it? Them the the hand. The, the hand Hand, handset part yes. of the telephone. Yes. You put a lobster there instead. Yes. And you were saying that it was a sensual choice, a sexual yeah, so choice. Like, there's nothing sexier than calling someone on the telephone. Okay. All right. I also yeah, so wouldn't agree with that you, either. Okay, okay. When you take the sexiest, sexiest animal in existence, which mm-hmm. is established, the lobster, you put it on your face and make a phone call. This is a marriage of the two 
two best worlds. So it's just the two sexiest things in the world combined. Combined, yes. To, to create the world's most erotic experience of talking on the phone. Yes. And the phone is a lobster. Yes. You know, I, I'm not 100% sure that I would agree with either of those things being mm-hmm. sexual things. Okay. Um, but I respect that that's your artistic vision. You know, I just, I thought that the piece was so, I thought it was funny. I thought it was a really funny piece of art, mm. you know, where it was, it's a very impractical thing to have a lobster as your telephone. And, um, you know, it, it's a very, it's a very simple piece of art where it's just like, here's the one thing, here's another thing. I'm, I'm squishing them together. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised that that wasn't your original intention. No, it was uh, just sex. I've been told that I'm very funny. I don't see it. Really? Yes. You know, because, so I have a lot of questions about the things that you do, that you did in your life, sort of like the um, the publicity stunts, and they do seem like they were intended to be funny, but you are telling me, that you are coming across as a very serious person. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the rumors about you, um, you know, and the information on your Wikipedia might be a little... Uh, a little um, inaccurate, but let's move over to uh, Ayn well, Rand he, here. He does have a funny mustache. Yes, Thank yes, you. the mustache he's, he's is really nice. funny. I'll take it. I wasn't. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't well, fishing for anything. Let's. Uh, well, I would love to talk about that and how you and how that's not supposed to be funny. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to Ayn Rand for just a moment. Uh, so you are obviously most well known for your novels, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, where you espouse the benefits of rational self-interest, uh, which, if you don't mind me paraphrasing, uh, synopsizing... I do mind uh, you paraphrasing. You, you do mind me paraphrasing. Tell me exactly <laughs> what it is you think I do. Uh, your philosophy, your life philosophy yes. of um, of uh, rational self-interest? I mean, if word you... Word for word. If it you is would... very important you get this right. Okay, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, as I understand it, uh, this is where you believe that society flourishes... When the best people are rewarded and the worst people are just left to perish and uh, any charity or uh, sympathy for those who can't compete is uh, is bad for the community. Is that is that a uh, not accurate? Very good. That's good. Oh, nice. Okay, I'm glad. You're sweating a little bit. You're very intimidating. The there's two a, of you. Uh, there's I, a vein throbbing I, on your neck. I, I just, I don't know. There's, there's an energy to you, Ayn Rand, that I... That I was actually expecting, but I'm getting the exact same energy off of Salvador Dali, and I wasn't expecting that. And so, I because I have not broken eye contact this entire I, time. No, neither. And I don't think either of you are blinking either. Which why uh, blink? Is this the, is a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy to blink. Yes, Ayn Rand. Keep your eyes on the prize. Okay, and also you want to keep you want to you want to look out for your enemies. You want to. You want to make sure that you, uh, you, no. you're caught not on your toes, you know? You look out only for self. Only for yourself. That is all that matters. Okay, so you don't even... So the, oh, would you say then that Anne Rand believes that you should ignore the haters? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying here? I would say that Ayn Rand Whoa. believes that you should care only for the self-love and what everybody calls self-care today. Self-care. Okay, that seems like a softer way of um, of describing your uh, rational self-interest. Self-care. Uh, you have to softball it so that people can ascribe to it. Okay, so I mean like... Then you, know, you join. Self-care to me is like, you know, you do a little yoga, you go home, you watch a movie, you have a me day. And you push someone out of your way. <laughs> To get to where you are going. Okay. And you make sure you call your congressman and you tell him your taxes are being wasted to feed kids who are poor. Okay. All right. So that's um, extra self-care. More more so than what I was describing. Like those those steps that you just added to it. Those are the normal steps for self-care. Okay. In in the Ayn Rand uh, uh, rational self-care uh, uh, regimen. We sure. could say. Um, but so I'm wondering um, if there was an incident when you were growing up that maybe, you know, where, where you saw this rational self-interest at work or where you thought that, you know, you saw some charity happening and you realized it was a waste of time or something. Because it, it doesn't seem like a natural um, philosophy to to occur. Like when I was growing up, we you know, you go to kindergarten, they say sharing is caring. You know, I'm sure that you probably had a similar Experience growing up, Salvador Dali. Yes, you know? very, very strict upbringing. Is okay. that what you asked me? 
Uh, they have a very strict upbringing. No, no. I, I wanted to know if you if you also believe that you know sharing is caring, and you know uh, you're taught as a young age to have sympathy and empathy for your fellows. Sharing, uh, uh, sharing the the uh, mass unconscious. Sharing the mass unconscious. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Is I, that what you're saying? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes, they, they shared the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, so I'm wondering, did something happen to you when you were young, Ayn Rand, that made you feel like? That, that the world should be more cutthroat, that it should be dog-eat-dog. I think that, what you're trying to say is, what was your Scrooge moment? <laughs> was your Scrooge your moment? Your moment that turned you into a Scrooge. Oh. Was there a Scrooge moment in... I feel like there definitely was. Uh, was it a Christmas tale? That's what it's called, right? Uh, Carol. A Christmas Carol. Yes. yes, Christmas Carol. Yeah, the... I don't think there was a Scrooge moment maybe, in A Christmas mm, Carol. I'm thinking, Scrooge the, I'm thinking was, of the movie Scrooge. He was already Scrooge. <laughs> Well, what was the uh, what was the Scrooge moment in the movie Scrooge for Bill Murray? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. Because uh, I'm just trying to think of it. Like I think that we oh, see a little was, bit of his past uh, when he was watching his uh, girlfriend get run over by all the poor people at the uh, factory for feeding poor people. I think so. There's the moment in the middle of the movie yes. where he goes to visit his ex girlfriend Claire. Claire yes. <laughs> at the uh, at the homeless shelter, and he decides like and he, and he sort of like loses his mind. And he's like, "This is a giant waste of time." Yes. He he gains the clarity of focus mm-hmm. on self. Okay. This is the most important thing. The time so, when I learned this for myself, mm-hmm. Ayn Rand came into flourishing and flowered into the beautiful Rand bush that she is and always will be. Mm-hmm. I was uh, watching. An old man with coins in a cup, and he asked me if I wanted to donate to Greenpeace. And I said to this old man, why would I do this? He said, because the whales, they are dying. And I said to the old man, well, why don't you go save a whale (laughs) and stop bothering me for this? And that's when it hit me. That's when you realize. Oh, I hate all those old men with cups collecting for Greenpeace. Collecting for Greenpeace. Everywhere you go. It's a little annoying, but I mean, I'm glad that they're there. Like, I'm glad that somebody's looking out for Why? the whales. Because I, cause I think it's necessary. Because I think it's... You trust that they take the money you give them and put it not into Coca-Colas? I'm sorry, that, that you think that they're spending the money that they're collecting for charity and they're just spending it on Coca-Cola? Every time I see an old man, he has a pocket full of change mm-hmm. purchasing Coca-Colas. Okay. Where right. do you think all this money comes from? Um, from the poor, dumb, <laughs> altruistic people who give up their coins for old men Greenpeace. I don't think so. I mean, that's just my my personal philosophy. I believe that if somebody's going to stand on a corner, uh, you know, for however many hours and collect money for charity, that they're probably just going to give that money to charity. I once know? stood on a corner for nine hours with an empty coffee cup turned upside down. Ooh, oh, conceptual. Yes. I like that. Yes. See, some people would say that's really funny, Salvador Dali. Some I, don't, would say, I don't see it. Uh, well, let me ask you this. We were talking about the movie Scrooge, um, you know, which is a movie about a, a, a selfish, one could argue, rational self-interest proponent. Cut them off. Uh, Cut them off, Claire. Scrooge. If you want to save someone, save, save yourself. Save that's yourself. a very, that's yes. a very Ayn Rand thing to do. Do you think that, that that movie has like a sad ending because he eventually realizes that he should be, you know, devoting money and time to charity. Like, do you believe that this, the end of Scrooge, the end of A Christmas Carol, is bad? No, because his whole point at the end of the movie is to convince everyone that doing all of these things is for the pure purpose of the wonderful Christmas feeling. If you do all these things for a specific goal in mind for yourself... Then this is always selfish. Oh, interesting. So the, the 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 way that it becomes rational self-interest is it makes you feel good. Yes, and that's why you do he it. He does not say, "I want to chase this feeling all the time because it helps everybody." He, he just says, wants to feel good. I want to feel he, good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Francis Xavier Woods. Uh, Cross. Very smart. Francis man. Cross, I believe is. I believe was. it's Woods. <laughs> Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio for Brooklyn, and my guests today are a Spanish-born surrealist painter, Salvador Dali, Dali. 
uh, and early 20th century Russian-American novelist and philosopher Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. <laughs> so, uh, let me ask you, Salvador Dali, so you were an eccentric person. Uh, you, you were known for your work as well for your grandiose and bizarre uh, public behavior. And I'm wondering if that had anything to do with this incident uh, from when you were five years old. This is in your Wikipedia, and please feel free to correct me if this is not what happened. Okay. Uh, but the story goes that your parents took you to the grave of your older brother who passed away before you were born, and they told you that you were your brother reincarnated when you were five years old. Is that true? It's, it's <laughs> true that I am my I'm sorry, older brother Rand, reincarnated. Did you think that was funny, Ayn Rand? <laughs> why, would, why are you laughing at that? Ah, because it's uh, so dumb. Who could be reincarnated? What a stupid family. Oh, you're roasting me and I love it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just the two of you. Get a room. Uh, so yeah, is that what happened to you, Salvador Dali? I was reincar—I was my older brother, and I was reincarnated. Yes. yes. Oh wow. So yes. so they don't you think that's kind of a heavy thing to force a child to do to like look at your your older brother's brave and a grave and say say that boy is you, you're him. This I don't think spirit. so. No, I don't think so. No, no, they did they did things like this all the time. It was just what parents do, you know. Oh well, like what else did they do that was in the similar vein of, okay, well, of they, what I would think is like a really dark and inappropriate thing? They to buried do me in my brother's grave. They buried you in your brother's grave. Yeah, just for a few hours with a with a bamboo. With bamboo? With a bamboo so I could breathe. Oh, gotcha. A bamboo shoot. And they weren't trying to like... Uh... They were not, though. They were good people. Okay. Did you dig yourself out of this grave? No, I was, yeah. I was like, I guess this is my life now. Yeah. And then they came back and got me, and I was like... Yeah, I guess Ayn Rand would, Ayn Rand would believe that... Um... You should have stayed in the grave. Or pull yourself out. Yeah, and that... I think I still am in the grave. In oh, the way, ooh, yeah. The way that we all are in the grave. Wow, I didn't realize that you'd be so emo, uh, Salvador Dali. I really oh, thought because there's something so whimsical about darkness. like your 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 be your your mustache and mm. the way that you presented yourself to the world. You know, um, uh, the there. People suggest that your beard, that your mustache, mm. this whimsical mustache. Uh, was um, the word. an homage to the 17th century painter Diego Velazquez. Diego Velazquez. Velazquez. Would you not, for, first of all, would you not describe your own mustache as flamboyant and whimsical? It is a warning to stay away. A warning to stay away. Two points pointing out, saying, stay away from Dali. Okay, so Dali almost is... almost like saying, like, go over there. Go. Don't. Well, it's like, come Away close if me. you want, but you're going to get poked. You're going to get poked? Oh, you're going to get the Dali. Is that the reason why you, you had the mustache? Was was as a as a deterrent? Yes. I was, uh, away? Yes, I can say it now. I was very uh, uh, vulnerable. I want people to stay away. Interesting. Yes. Wow. But people kept being drawn to Dali. Yeah, they they really did, and I, and I think that you really should have um, reconsidered that because everybody looked at that picture of you with the uh, the mustache and thought, oh, what a fun and silly guy! Like, mm. don't you think so, Ayn Rand? Don't you think that the mustache is is kind of fun? His mustache looks to me like uh, he got very very concerned and frustrated one day, and it just kinked into that one position, or like a cartoon character. Uh, yes, like yes. I, maybe I ate a hot pepper and it just <laughs> yes. poinked out. So you're saying it does maybe he didn't even use his hands; it just kind of like happened out of like frustration or this is nature, mm. nature revealing itself through gotcha. this vessel. Well, to tell you the truth, I don't know how it got this way. Mm -hmm. I woke up one morning just like this. What the the mustache? So yes, you, but I kept it. I said this is going to tell people stay away from Dali. Dali does not want attention. Did you ever use them actually for that? Like, did you ever try to poke somebody if they were getting too close to you? Oh, all the time. Hmm. My wife. Oh, uh, was this a uh, gala? gala? Gala. Yes. Yeah. She would get too close and I would poke her in the eye. Oh, wow. Did, did, but uh, it was almost foreplay. Okay. Yeah. So so she sort of like was was into the uh, the sort of like cat and mouse game of she tries to get close. Oh, yes. You poke her. You know, mm. that, that's, that's part of your... Uh, your uh, your mating ritual, yes, yes the dance, yes, a lot of S and M. Oh, lots. Mm. Of, I mean, besides the poking, you would say there's other S and M stuff that you and your wife, oh, and yes, to yes. Do. yes. Oh, she would uh, she would wrap me in the uh, in um, towels very tightly in towels. Oh, like swaddling, swaddling. Yes, oh, like a baby. It's very uh, it's very soothing. Is yes. this what S and M is? Is swaddling <laughs> yes. like a baby? Swaddling and and motioning and and motioning. Yes, she would. 
motion for me to come to the top you mean of like, the staircase. You mean like beckon? Yes, like, and then like... she would push me down the staircase. Oh, okay. Swaddling and motioning. Wow, this is a lot different than uh, my tradi- my understanding of what S&M is. You know, wh- when you think of S&M, Ayn Rand, what, do you, what comes to mind? What, what, what's the picture that comes into your mind? I think of leather wrapped around the... Parts of your body and hooks to hang from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, like genital vices and um, Whoa. Uh, nipple clamps. That is what, not what I was thinking. Whips and chains. You and... have a great knowledge about these, huh? No, no. I just, uh, you know, I just the things that I see in the movies and everything. You know, oh. like I, I wouldn't say that I'm a uh, an S and M aficionado, but this is the traditional understanding of it. I Why would not? Say. If you are, be proud of this. Oh, I, I would be if I was. But I'm just, I'm not. I, I've always felt like S&M was uh, like a, just like a lot, you know? Sounds like repression to it's me. A, <laughs> so you think that I unconsciously am saying and, and feeling oh, like I don't like... you obviously have a lot of sexual repression and you should uh, explore it. Obviously. Really? It's, obvi- it's palpable. What, I can feel it from what here. What is it about me that makes you, Ayn Rand and Salvador Dali, think that I am sexually repressed? When he said he was being wrapped in swaddling clothes, yes. your eyes grew very big <laughs> like a doe well, in the woods. Well, I don't think... I don't my, think... my mouth began to salivate. Because I looked at you as a doe in the woods, Ooh. and I thought I could chase that doe. Oh, oh my God. God! I could catch that doe. Jesus, this is getting really spicy in here. Today. And I could eat that doe through its neck. Oh my God! Mm. Wow. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I would uh, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a palpable tension in the air between the three of us. But I'm um, hungry. I think that we should. I think we should try to throw a little cold water on it so that we can finish the interview because we because the ah. listeners want to know about your lives and they want to know the. Uh, uh, the the ins and outs of the people of who are actually there. I'm here mm. to talk about Dali. Well, let's um uh, let's go over to uh, to you, Ayn Rand, for just a moment. Uh, so you know when you were 12, uh, the October Revolution happened mm-hmm. in Russia, mm-hmm. uh, at which point your father's pharmacy was confiscated by the government Ugh. under Vladimir Lenin, under the umbrella of communism, and your family had to flee to Crimea. Mm-hmm. And this might seem obvious but i have to ask just because i'm an interviewer and this is my job do you think that being forced to surrender the family business and flee the country had anything to do with you having a negative opinion of government and social programs no not at all you don't think those are connected because it seems like a real a real pretty straight line from communists ruining your life to developing a philosophy of rational self-interest. Listen, a lot of people don't know this, but my daddy wanted to get rid of that pharmacy anyway. He wanted to get rid of the pharmacy. He had been talking about moving to Crimea for a long time. So he wanted to go to Crimea and get rid of the pharmacy. Yes. None of my uh, life happenings uh, influenced uh, my philosophy. Only Aristotle Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Ayn Rand. (laughs) The way you say your name, it's it's so musical. It's really just... Uh, it's like so you're starting to say and and then you change your mind halfway through. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. So you're saying that the only thing that de- helped you develop your philosophy is uh, Aristotle. And yeah. obviously this incident with the cop and the old man who was collecting money for Greenpeace Ugh. that you described earlier. Don't bring it up again. Oh, I promise. too no. much. I could, see, uh, I could see you getting very upset about How this. How are they still around Greenpeace? I who, can't believe... Who is giving them all this money so that they can save a whale? That whale did not ask for help. We're not talking about a whale. We're talking about whales. We're talking about like all the whales. They want to save all the whales. Who cares? I care. I care about the whales. They're valuable... Yeah, why are you here then and the not ecosystem. out in the water trying to save a whale? Ah, you know, that's a really good question. I feel like we as citizens should be devoting more of our time and energy to, you know, the the the, the causes that we're passionate about. I do believe that, but I think that, you know, my life and my career kind of get in the way sometimes. Nah, this is all bullshit you tell yourself to make yourself feel better about you. Um, yeah, that's that's 100% fair. That's really fair. And I do think that there are too many people who are sort of like, uh, you know, being lazy activists with their causes. Um, but I but I do think that... Slacktivists. Slacktivists. Thank yes. you, Dolly. Slacktivist feels like a fun, fun Salvador Dolly kind of a word, you know? I don't think so. No? no I don't think so. 
if you, I mean, I'm assuming that you're probably going to be doing art now that you are, now that you're back again. Do you think that you would be engaging in things like fun social media and making memes? That feels, that feels like a very Salvador Dali thing. I right? have my own YouTube channel. Oh, you do? Yes, it's called Dali Paints. Dali Paints? Yes. Okay. And I basically sit in front of the video camera and stare bug-eyed. Okay. And you don't, and is that it? Do you paint? That's it. So you don't paint. Why would I paint? Because it's called Dolly Paints. Well, Dolly was taken. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I, I have to be real. I have to be honest here. That feels like a very Dolly thing to do to call to say something. I'm painting this, and they did oh, not come paint on. at all. It's almost like it's almost like a. Uh, it, it's a it's a, it's a hardcore publicity stunt. This is the classic Dolly publicity I stunt. I don't want followers. You don't, don't want, want views. No. You don't want people to watch your stuff. No. I'm, YouTube Dali Paints. D A L I E A I N T S. Gotcha. And YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you're I saying update don't. Monday and Thursday. Don't watch it. Do not watch it. Don't watch it at all. I mean, it, it sounds uh, riveting. Do you have any subscribers? Do you have any views so far? I have 300,000 subscribers. 300,000 yes. subscribers for this In the channel. bar park of 300,000. For, for this channel where all you do is you stare on the screen and you don't do anything. Correct. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. And so obviously you're monetized and, uh, you know, that oh, must be... breaking it in. <laughs> of course. Yes. Uh, well, I'd love to ask you this. This is a little controversial question here. Um, but um, but one of your early works uh, was a drawing called Sacred Heart of Jesus Christ mm. uh, that had a provocative inscription, uh, quote, sometimes I spit for fun on my mother's portrait. <laughs> um, and I understand, Ayn Rand, you've got a very dark sense of humor. Uh, but I understand from your Wikipedia that you and your mother were very close um, and, you know, she died when you were 16 and that was really traumatic for you. So can you explain why you would put something so controversial and uh, inflammatory as sometimes I spit for fun on my mother's portrait? Sometimes, yes, because it was uh, it's something I did. I would spit for fun on my mother's portraits. She would spit for fun on me. We were very close. Oh, so this is like an actual fun thing that you guys you didn't think it was disrespectful to spit on each other. Uh, no, I don't. Why would that be disrespectful? Well, I think the world views it as disrespectful. Swapping like, bodily fluids. <laughs> I mean, with it, one's mother. Well, if well, first of all, that's kind of gross. But I second of all, like I, I don't like spit. If someone's like spit on you, it's it's. Do you want me to spit on you? I, I don't want you to spit on me. No. I think he wants you to spit on not, him. Not everything. I feel like you. Not everything oh. that I say is like an unconscious sexual call to action my friend sigmund freud would have something to say about that. oh i'm sure i'm he would sure say he would. That you do want us to spit on you i don't 100 percent agree with everything that you sigmund brought freud. it up didn't you i did not well no i was just referring to an incident from salvador dolly's life i don't we got into this cul-de-sac from you <laughs> steering us there ayn rand if somebody spit on you would you think that as a sign of disrespect would you think that was a fun thing would you think that was a sexual thing I would be very upset about it and would write a book. And you'd write a book about it? A very, very long book about how force is terrible and spit is uh, the wrong way to uh, to handle your aggression. Gotcha, gotcha. See, I think that, you know, the world in general views being spit on as a sign of disrespect. But if I asked for spit... But if you asked for it, of course. And it was a common thing... Then I would be happy. Then you'd be happy. Of this course. would be fun playtime. Yeah. Well, I mean, anything that you agree upon beforehand as that thing, if you're like, this thing that we're doing is for fun, this thing that we're doing is for sex, <laughs> then it's fine. Oh, Saltali. You were locked eyes with me when I you were saying spit. No, I didn't. I glanced over at you just, you to, just to elucidate my you point. You were looking right at me and you said, this is a fun thing we are doing for fun now. That is, all right. No, I was saying that as a hypothetical example. And you know what? I gotta I gotta wash the spit off of me. Um, Unfortunately, so we gotta take a short break so I can wipe the dolly spit off of me. Don't. Uh, but we will be right back. <sighs> Uh, what Ayn Rand, dude, oh, Jesus Christ. I gotta wash Ayn Rand spit off of me, too. Stop spitting on each other, you disgusting children. We'll be right back with Ayn Rand and Salvador Dali on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out. 
out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrington.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are Spanish-born surrealist painter Salvador Dali, Dali. and early 20th century American-Russian novelist and philosopher Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. <laughs> Did you ever see Sing because the, the voice, your voice has such a melodic quality to it, especially when you say your own name. I did sing. I spent some time on Broadway. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I know that you had a play that um, uh, that was on Broadway for a little while, uh, but you, you said that you performed in Broadway as well. I did. Do you remember, what show did you do on Broadway? Mostly karaoke. <laughs> I'm sorry. So you did karaoke on Broadway? That was a thing that people paid to come see? Yes, it was very popular at the time. Really? Not a lot of Russian Jews doing karaoke on Broadway. Okay. Yeah, no, I can imagine that. I mean, I didn't even think that karaoke was a thing that uh, that existed back then. Oh, yes, I brought a lot of things and knowledge with me from Crimea into uh, New York City. Oh, so, so, um, so karaoke was, you know, the, the word is, I believe, Japanese, karaoke. Um, I, I thought that I it came from Japan. <laughs> it might. It sounds Japanese. Sounds Russian to me. Karaoke, karaoke, like that. The way I'm picturing it, yes. Okay. As we would say, karaoke. Kar- that yeah, sounds even more Japanese <laughs> when you say it like that. But no, I so don't know. That sounds uh, Russian to me. But you're saying that this is a, a technology that you brought to America from Russia was karaoke. Yes. Oh, interesting. And this how would was... how would it work back then? Uh, well, we would uh, um, uh, have somebody play the piano, a little tune, mm-hmm. a one, two, three, right into a song that we heard one time before. Okay. Well, I mean, I I, I don't know if I would call that karaoke. I think karaoke is very specific. Well, like you actually play a uh, the, the song, but mm. without the lyrics, then you would sing over it. Nah. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, but I wanted to ask you this, uh, Ayn Rand. So in 1925, you visit relatives in Chicago. You fall in love with America. You decide to go to Hollywood to be a screenwriter. You eventually sell a screenplay called Red Pawn uh, that unfortunately was never produced. Do you remember your script Red Pawn from that era of your life? Like the back of my hand. Can you tell us a little bit about Red Pawn? Like what it was about? Like did it have the elements of your philosophy yet? Oh, yes. It was um, a story about a small family who lived in a big house on a red pond. And, uh, inside, I'm sorry, you said it was a small family that lived on in, in a, small a big house, house in a big house on a pond on a red pond. It's interesting because I thought, and this is in the Wikipedia, it's not spelled pond p o n d. It's spelled pawn like the piece in a chessboard. But you're saying that this was a movie about a family that's living on a red pond? Uh, correct. I think anybody can uh, edit Wikipedia. Oh, so you're saying it's a... It, it's Plus, a, my accent in Russian is very tricky for people right, to understand. Right, so I'm sure that nobody read the word. They just heard you saying that it was called Red Pond. And they red s- Pond, Red Pond, Red yeah, Pond. Yeah, gotcha. I can red see pond, how that would be confusing. Red pond, red pond. It is fun to say, isn't it? See, there's like another classic Dolly thing, just saying the word over and over again. It just brings a smile to everybody's face. Red pond, red pond, red pond. Yeah, see, it's, it's charming. It's you delightful. have a new subscriber in me, Dali. Please Ooh, don't subscribe. 300,001 subscribers now. The ballpark, yes. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so this family's living in a mansion on a red pond. Mm-hmm. Okay. They all are a family of jugglers. and They used knives. They used torches. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them want to uh, build beautiful skyscrapers, like the skyline of Chicago. Mm. The uh, most beautiful mm-hmm. sky. The most beautiful sky <laughs> that there is. The most beautiful in the world. Especially back then in 1925. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes. Yep. New York City is okay, but Chicago is the tits. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean that sounds like an incredible movie. I'm, uh, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm upset that we didn't get a chance to. Uh... It's being optioned by Michael Bay right now. Oh, currently it's going to be a Michael Bay project. Yes. Wow, it doesn't feel like as big of a movie as Michael Bay usually does. Usually a lot of explosions in Michael Bay movies. Oh, you just wait. Just wait until you see this one. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Salvador Dali. Uh, so. Uh, I read, this is a quote from the Wikipedia about, you know, as you're doing art in Barcelona, uh, you're, you're rising in pro- to prominence, uh, inspired, your work inspired a mixture of, quote, praise and puzzled debate from critics. Yes. And I'm wondering, do you know what puzzled debate they're referring to exactly? I would paint uh, uh, just what I saw in my dreams. Mm-hmm. And I assume that since they don't share the same, well, here's the thing. Everyone shares the same unconscious dreaming. So I assume they were lying. Okay. Because they, there is no confusion when you see a Dali painting. Okay. That's interesting. Because So you're saying that because we all share the same unconscious dream world, that they shouldn't have been puzzled by your work. They I'm saying, I'm saying, look me in the eyes. Okay. I'm I know saying, I am. I'm I am. saying they weren't puzzled. Oh, they're saying they were lying about I'm saying it. saying they were lying. They chose not to understand. They did understand, and they were jealous of Dali. And they just said they didn't understand. Yes. they well, put. Yeah, my paintings were put in exhibitions against my will. I said, but I don't want people to see these. You didn't want people no, to see your paintings? I don't want people to see these paintings. Interesting. Yes. And, but, so, so what was the point of painting for you, if not to show your work to oh, other people? Mike Wallace asked me the same question. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. What is the point, like, word for word? Really? <laughs> this is true. Oh, your, wow. Your I didn't know Qualis? that. Yes, Mike Wallace. I your didn't say Qualis? What, what is your Qualis? No, no, Mike. His first name is Mike. No, no. I was saying Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So your Qualis asked you the same question. I thought we were talking about Mike Wallace, <laughs> the interviewer. <laughs> But no, you're saying somebody who was your Qualis, your Qualis. <laughs> I had a lot of koalas. I'm sorry, my Oh, accent. your koalas. My koalas. One of your koalas. <laughs> many one of day, my koalas. Many of your koalas yes. asked you why you painted if, if nobody was going yes, to see it. They looked at me. They tugged at my pant leg with their little, little hands, little paws. Their little said, koala hands. They said, Dalil. Why do, why do you paint? What's the point? This is, that story is the most Salvador Dali thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. That you have a whole bunch of koalas and mm-hmm. they, they interview you sometimes <laughs> about your work. Many curious koalas wow. interview Salvador Dali. Yeah. So, Dali, yeah, so, do you mind if I spit on you right now? I insist you spit on me. <laughs> you two are disgusting. I'm going to have to ask you to please stop for the, for the remainder of this interview. Please stop spitting on each other. It's oh, disgusting. stop spitting on each other. I get it. We no, spit no, on you. No, no, no. Okay. I've already gotten, I get you. Already gotten enough of this spit off forward. of me. Well, so to answer well, your question and my Qualys' question. Your Qualys' <laughs> question. Okay. The point of painting is to, 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 uh, to put my Dali... To put my Dali out into the world for only myself to see. Gotcha, gotcha. It's almost like you have uh, a part of you that you need to look at the way that you would look at your reflection in the mirror. And the only way for you to do that is to paint. See. Interesting. The most beautiful thing you can do is put out your Dali for you to see. (laughs) Let's uh, transition over to uh, Ayn Rand for just a moment. So your first major success uh, was the novel The Fountainhead. Uh, but I read that you had started taking amphetamines to fight fatigue and work long hours so that you could finish the book. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why was it so difficult for you to uh, to finish the book on time? Oh, it's so much work. Have you ever written a tome before? I mean, I wrote a book once, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. Everybody should go out and buy it. It's, it's hysterical. It's not a book. It's like a pamphlet. It's pretty short. I'll give you that. It's like a little over 100 pages, like 112 pages. You are roasting Janet right now, and I love it. <laughs> or something like that, but it's still a book that I wrote. You I know? was beginning a movement with my work. Gotcha. And when you are beginning a movement, like any great leader who is addicted to amphetamines, um, now, um, Hitler, for example. Hitler was addicted to amphetamines. You have to do a lot of amphetamines to get everyone to believe you. Mm, interesting. Okay, that's mm. that's a that's a vital part of getting people on board 
the philosophy train that you are trying to move through the world Choo-choo. is taking amphetamines. So you, There's Hitler... There's a lot of work to build up steam, and you have to iron out all of the wrinkles mm-hmm. on this folded-up sheet of your idea. Interesting. Okay. Um, and I understand, since, since we brought up Hitler already, there was a little bit of a controversy with you, Salvador Dali, mm-hmm. because while Hitler was rising to power... Uh, people were asking you to comment on it. And you were saying that, no, I'm a surrealist, I'm an artist. Uh, art and politics, they're separate. Is that true? Uh, well, in, the, in, the, in a way, art and politics are separate. It is not my place as a surrealist to comment. Mm-hmm. But Hitler had a great mustache. Oh, I see. It's true. And so you admired Hitler for his mustache. Oh, don't put words in my mouth. I didn't admire Hitler. But you got to look me in the eyes. Okay. It's a great mustache. Not looking you in the eyes is not an option. It is just you have an icy stare. Everywhere you look in the room, somehow you're looking into the eyes. That locks onto other people's eyes like an eyeball magnet. Mm. So you never have to tell me that again. So I'm looking at you in the eyes. You you just love Hitler's mustache. love Hitler's mustache. Don't mm-hmm. edit this later to make it sound like I love Hitler. I love no, how you objectively it is a nice mustache. It's a pretty good mustache. You know, yes. he, he he fashioned it after uh, Charlie Chaplin. He wanted he thought that it was a cool look and he wanted people to like him. So he got he took Charlie Chaplin's mustache basically. Oh, Ugh. thought that what was a shame. A... I did not know that. I you didn't that know. Was just a thing in the air that you didn't think that was a weird coincidence that Charlie Chaplin and Hitler had the exact same facial hair? I avoided ever watching Charlie Chaplin. How come? Why didn't you want to watch Charlie Chaplin? He needed so many people's approval to do what he did. Hmm. His art was phony. He wanted claps like he was a Tinkerbell or something. That was the only way he could survive. Uh, Hitler had the mustache and had a strong idea. (laughs) I don't think... I don't think I don't agree with that. Later I'm not to make it sound like I support It's not a Hitler. controversial thing to say. It's not a controversial thing to say that Hitler had strong ideas. He did. He had a very strong idea. But people would say that they weren't good ideas. They would say that they were evil ideas. A lot of people subscribe to these ideas. Yeah, but you know, just because some people think that the idea is good, also doesn't make the idea good. Yeah, you, you know? say that, but. Who knows? I mean, wouldn't you... (laughs) You know, I feel like if I tried to argue against fascism and Nazism with you, Ayn Rand... I don't agree with Nazism or fascism or communism or socialism or Darwinism. (laughs) Any any ism besides rational self-interest. Yes, this is the only thing that makes sense. When uh, you believe in something that comes from within you, it will sprout out like a fountainhead. Mm. Oh, that's where the Uh, name of the book comes from. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. And the other was named after my friend Atlas, who did not know what I was talking about. What? That he? You were like, do you know what I'm talking about? And he was like, and he he shrugged. I'm sorry. This is exactly right. I want to go back a hot second. So you're saying that you had a friend named Atlas. Uh-huh. Who you were saying something to him, and he didn't understand what you were saying. So then he shrugged, and you wrote the book based on that? No, no, no. I could not have the title of my book, so I gave it to my friend Atlas. Mm-hmm. And Atlas read the whole book, and he went, <laughs> I don't get it. For the listener, Einrand is shrugging. He's doing a shrug motion. Yeah, my tiny little shoulders are moving <laughs> up and down. Yeah, no, that's a that's incredible. I mean, so I think bony. I think it, I, I think people assumed that it had to do with uh, the legend of Atlas, uh, the Titan, you know, and the fact that he had the entire world in his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, if you say so. I mean, uh, your work also, Dali, has been uh, interpreted and misinterpreted, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, like you painted your your famous work uh, in 1931, The Persistence of Memory, mm. which is the one that featured all the, uh, the melting, melting clocks. clocks yes. And there is a general agreed upon interpretation of the melting clocks as a rejection of the idea that time is rigid. Uh, but would you say that there's a, a different meaning that you intended when you when you painted the persistence of memory? Number one, I didn't want anyone to see this. Obviously, you didn't want it. You don't want anybody to see any of your work. I'm looking at you in the eyes, Salvador. Don't want anyone to see this. Okay, you didn't want anybody to see. But if I had to, 
if you if I had if you're twisting my arm, I have to tell you what it means. Mm-hmm. It means that I was late all the time. And I hated watches. You were late all the time. Is what hated you're watches. And that's why I was I late all the time. Okay, and so 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 the point of the of the painting, obviously, all of your paintings are just to take it's a piece just, of you. I hate, out. Wa- I hate watches. You hated watches. I hate them. Why did you hate watches? Very uncomfortable when they Oh God. <laughs> Or in the pocket, it's so uncomfortable. It does take a lot of space if you have a pocket watch. so much space. Yeah, it really does. Don't tell me where I have to be right now. I'm Mm -hmm. Dali, I'm everywhere always. How how do you feel about the flavor Flav? Oh, he's got a giant clock on his chest. You know what? Personally, I I like him. I don't like the clock. I hate it. He's pretty charming, Flavor Flav. What the charming guy. Uh, if you're just burn, joining Hollywood us, burn, you know. If you're just joining us on uh, Radio for Brooklyn, this is Famous Dead People, and my guests today are early 20th century novelist and philosopher Ayn Rand Meh. and Spanish-born surrealist painter Salvador Dali. Dali. Uh, so going back to uh, Ayn Rand for just a moment. Uh, so in 1947, you volunteered to testify for the House of Un-American Activities Committee mm-hmm. uh, during the Second Red Scare. Uh, this is McCarthy asking all the people in Hollywood, of which you were one because you were a, a screenwriter. Are you now uh, or have you ever been American? American? That is what I always ask myself. What you ask yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And what do you what do you say to yourself when you say when you ask that question? Well, yeah, I say yes, of course. Of course, you're American. Yeah. No, this was the House of Un-American Activities. I know. Yeah, and so I had to confirm. You had to confirm that you were an American. Okay, uh, and so what I understand from your testimony is that you were speaking out against the 1944 film Song of Russia, which you say misrepresents the, the conditions of living in the Soviet Union. Oh, yes. Is that right? Yes, it made it look like it was a big, um, fun time with a yellow brick road. And uh, and uh, I'm sorry, please continue. was going through uh, mm-hmm. without a heart. Uh, a tin man without a brain, mm-hmm. uh, a witch who was uh, falling under a okay, I house. Think, I think I see the problem here, because what you're describing <laughs> is the movie The Wizard of Oz. And so I believe, if you're, if, you, if this is what you're telling me, that you went to the House of Un-American Activities Committee, and you said that the Song of Russia misrepresents the Soviet Union because it's Yellowbook Road and Wishes and a Scarecrow and a Tin Man and a Lion. I think you watched The Wizard of Oz by accident, instead of watching A Song of Russia. What is this Wizard of Oz you talk about? The Wizard about? of Oz. Don't you remember how The Wizard of Oz was a character in the movie that you saw that you thought was The Song of Russia? No, there was a man at the end. Yeah, there was a wizard. was Stalin. No, that was The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> Where was... Do you remember how they Listen, kept on talking about... Just to clarify. Yes. Russia is not filled with little tiny orange people. Gotcha. Uh, the uh, the lollipop guild, is that what you're uh, referring to? Yes. Or, okay, yeah. And were there, were there flying monkeys in... Uh, no. In <laughs> I tell... I try to tell everybody on this committee, mm-hmm. this is not what Russia looks like. I, oh. can, I, can I ask you also, um, you wanted this is this is on the wikipedia that it says that you also wanted to speak out against the movie the best years of our lives uh but they said that you couldn't that you would run out of time that they 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 were they were finished with you after that but do did you also want to talk about how bad or or why the best years of our lives was bad yes absolutely it was uh, too long the plot was <laughs> not very clear and I would I thought, give it a two out of five stars. <laughs> I thought that the reason why you want to talk about it was because of rallying against communism or... You no, know, it you was had... a meandering plot. <laughs> it had um, an unlikable protagonist. James Cagney, of course. James yes, Cagney. unlikable protagonist. And it was, uh, you know, it was a two at best. You just wanted to talk about how bad the movie was. You didn't like the movie. I was trying to get into film reviews oh, at the time. Gotcha, gotcha. And, okay. And this one was not a good movie. <laughs> I guess you didn't like it. And I did not like uh, the uh, the uh, one you talk about before. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, but uh, what you think was a movie called The Song of Russia. I did not like The Song of Russia. Okay, but it was The Wizard of Oz. So let's just, you know, put that to rest right now. Uh, going back to uh, Salvador Dali for just a moment, I'd like to talk about these publicity stunts. We've kind of hinted at them a little bit already um, because it seems like a, a, a thread that went throughout your entire life. Um, for example, when you were in school... Uh, you were at art school for four years, but you were expelled 
uh, right before you graduated um, because you were expelled for, quote, starting an unrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no details about what the unrest was. Uh, would you mind elaborating for us exactly Absolutely. what it was? Yes, I wanted to start a student union. A student union? Yes. That was the unrest that they're talking about. It's just an innocent student union. This is all with students. And, and they the, expelled you for that? Yes, they, they didn't like animals in the school, you know. I just want um, to have animals, uh, maybe some food. Okay. You know, uh, live live uh, frogs. I think that we have a different definition of what a student union would be. Like, when I imagine a student union, Ayn Rand, feel free to... Uh, to agree or disagree with me on this. I'm trying not to erupt with anger at the word <laughs> union. <laughs> it's uh, just a, like a common area where there's like... A common area. There's with, like vending machines, listen, very simple, couches, you know. Innocent, where we just have all the students come together. Okay. And bring uh, whatever animals, towels. Animals and towels? Food. Okay. Uh, 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 chemicals. Chemicals, yeah, uh, dream stuff, dream matter, <laughs> the raw, the raw stuff of dreams. The stuff that dreams are made of. Okay, it's, that's a good way to put it. I like. Thank, that. thank you very much. Yes, uh, the, the raw yeah. dream stuff, maybe gasoline. I don't, you know, just things that would students stop. I said, stop going to class. You don't need to go to class. Oh, okay. So you were also trying to incite the students to not participate in their classes. Yes, yes. Of okay, course. of course, it's a student union. Oh yeah. Okay. So- it's not I a mean, teacher union. So, so you actually did you did you ever uh, put the student union together for a test run, and that's the reason why they expelled you is because that was a disturbance. It's, it's a very successful. First, I put up signs everywhere. Please don't join the student union. Of, of course, you don't want anybody. Don't want any participating. I said, this is the Dali student union. Anything that you do, free pizza. You don't want you to, people to look at your YouTube. You don't want people to look at your no, art. Please don't. Salvador Dali does this for look Salvador Dali. Look me in the eyes. Look I'm me looking in the eyes. you in the eyes. Don't look at me. I can't not. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so, uh, so yes, it's very innocent. I said, I'm starting a student union. There's going to be free pizza, mm-hmm. lots of uh, alcohol and drugs. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Please don't come. Gotcha. Very, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that for some reason, I get kicked out because there was some, there were some fires. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was some, uh, people got a little rowdy. They flipped over some Volkswagen. Well, there was gasoline there, uh, mm-hmm. as you said earlier. That sort yes, of fire. Yes, but that is for drinking, of course. <laughs> of course. Let me ask you about some of these other uh, uh, publicity stunts. Is it true that you once attended a costume party uh, with your wife, Gala, where the two of you were dressed up as, respectively, the Lindbergh baby and the Lindbergh baby kidnapper? Is that true? I was dressed up as the Lindbergh baby. Okay. Swaddling clothes? <laughs> this is all just wrapped all up tightly together. in a this towel. Is all tying up together. Yeah, okay. Gala was, uh, Gala was, was the Lindbergh kidnapper. Okay. She so was you, not dressed as the Lindbergh kidnapper. Wait, so you're saying that your wife, Gala, so you were dressed as the Lindbergh baby, and your wife, Gala, actually, actually kidnapped the Lindbergh kidnapped baby? Kidnapped the Lindbergh baby. Oh, my God. Wow. Yes, breaking news. Breaking, this is a, yeah. The this, scoop. This is the scoop. This is yes. a famous people exclusive. People uh, loved it. It was, great. it was a great costume. It was a, well, I mean, I read that people were actually really offended by that and that you were forced to apologize publicly. Oh, Yes. <laughs> I was forced okay. to apologize, but I think inside the way that you the way that you love things, but say you don't love them, mm-hmm. you know, which I don't do, by the way. I, I want to be. You do. I want to be clear this about that. This is what they did. They said, I hate it. Please apologize. So but in their eyes, they're sparkling. They're shaking my hand. Okay. You know. All right. Yeah, I can't believe. Could you mind if, before we go back to Ayn Rand? What'd you do with the Lindbergh baby? What did Gala do with the Lindbergh baby? Ooh. Hmm. Did we do with the Lindbergh? Baby? You don't remember what you did with uh, the Lindbergh baby? I want to, I want to say, put it in a cab. You, put, you just put the Lindbergh baby in a cab. I want to say we put it in a cab, but we actually kept it with the with the uh, koalas. Oh, gotcha. But I want to say we put it in a cab and it got home safely, but I can't say. Oh, that. that's that's incredible. Salvador Dali, his wife kidnapped the Lindbergh baby, doesn't remember what you did with it, either with the koalas or just in a cab, random cab. Listen, yes. that baby could have done anything it wanted to do, okay? <laughs> it chose to live with the koalas or take the cab or whatever. This is uh, the choice it makes. It's wrong to impose a parent's will on a child, on a baby. My koalas <laughs> ask the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Your koalas. Your koalas did this. My koalas. Yes, your koalas. My koalas. Okay. 
Ayn Rand, let's go back to you for just a moment. So um, this is not a gotcha question, uh, but I'm just curious. In 1974, you were diagnosed with lung cancer and decided to enroll in Social Security and Medicare, uh, which are social programs, so that you could help with the cost of treating your lung cancer. Is that true? This is bullshit. This is on the Wikipedia. This is Rand. the biggest crock of shit I ever heard. You did Do you not. you know how rich I was? Why would I enroll in social security? Well, Blech. what I read was that you hadn't had a successful novel since Atlas Shrugged. And it was, you know, 50 years later. It was, uh, you had spent all of your money on methamphetamines. And, you know, there was the debacle of the, uh, of the school that, uh, that one of your lovers tried to start up for you. Yes. And so that you had lost all the money. And the only way that you could afford to treat your lung cancer was to enroll in social programs. Not true. Not true. So how no. did you then pay for your medical treatment if it wasn't through Social Security and Medicaid? I did not have to pay for anything. I grabbed uh, uh, um, beets. You know what the beets are? Beets, yes. Beets. I the take the root from, vegetable. Yes, the root vegetable beets. I mm -hmm. take them from the garden. I squeeze them, squeeze them. Mm -hmm. All the juice comes out. I fill up a cup. Mm, I feel better. Okay. And then the lung cancer went away. So your lung cancer just went away? Yes. That's incredible. It just beet amazing. juice cured your lung cancer? Well, this is a Russian way to do it. You ferment the beets with a little bit of lacto-fermentation. Gotcha, You gotcha. can put in some onions to make it taste better. A little sweet, a little sour. Bingo, bango, boom. Goodbye, lung cancer. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems almost like it's a smear campaign then to say that you and that you enrolled in Medicaid and Social Security. People love to smear their campaign everywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, to wrap up, I think we only have time for one more question. I'd like to <laughs> stop, please stop. You guys are disgusting. I'd like to ask um, uh, Salvador Dali about. Uh, one more of the publicity stunts. You could call it a publicity stunt or just, or uh, or maybe this is just like an emotional moment that you were having. Uh, is it true that once you went to a surrealist short film festival and there was a filmmaker there named Joseph Cornell who was showing some of his films and uh, and you got upset, you, you, you kicked over the projector because the film that you were watching, you said Joseph Cornell stole from your dreams and he stole from your subconscious. Is that true? It's true. He stole from my dreams and from my subconscious. Gotcha. You don't don't you think that that's impossible to do? No, that? no. We you all share that... a subconscious. I feel like I've broken record. Though. We all share a subconscious. But if we all share it, then then it's ours. It's not stealing. If it's stealing from the collective unconscious. Oh, I bet Danny Rand would have something to say about that. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Well, Look, I don't... my dreams that I create are my property. Mm -hmm. In your dreamscape, you can pass by and see what I'm doing, but you can't steal it. This is intellectual property. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so we I, don't... Dreamed, I dreamed about an eyeball getting uh, getting a, a, a swaddled in a tower. Swaddled in a tower. And okay. fed to a lobster. Seeing a theme here. And these men, he tried to repeat these... Yes, he did. There was a car in his film. It oh. looked very lobster-like. Oh. There was someone sitting in the car. He had eyes. Mm -hmm. And I assume they had towels. So this is just basically plagiarism. I got to say that it does, it's very specific. Like, that, that doesn't seem like parallel thinking. Like, you wouldn't swaddle an eyeball and feed it to a lobster unless, you know, like you had seen that in somebody else's dream. Absolutely. But yeah. Well, it, you know. It, but it, it was so a car. It was someone sitting in a car. Mm-hmm. And I think they had towels. So basically, it was the same thing. So basically, it was the exact same thing, yeah. But I, I kicked over the projector. I was so mad. You know, I got to say. Oh, and he was wearing a watch. And I was just, it, <laughs> I just saw, saw And you hate watches. I saw That's red. Right. That's right. Everything I hate. You know, when I started this question, I, I feel like maybe I was coming off a little um, accusatory. But now that you've explained it, Ugh. I think maybe he did. I think maybe he did slip around unconscious. He, he stole it. You should write a book about this. Mm -hmm. That's your solution best, to everything, Ayn Rand. The best way to deal uh, with the problems. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Salvador Dali, Dali. and Rand <laughs> for uh, joining me in the studio today. Um, I always end with this question. If either of you have any... Thing that you want to plug, like a Twitter account that you like or a comedy show, uh, Salvador Dali, anything you want to tell people about? Uh, yes, if you uh, go to youtube.com and you find Dali Paints, please do not subscribe. Don't watch Dali Paints. Close your window. Do, mm -hmm. not, do not subscribe. Do not so like. Good. And also uh, Twitter uh, at uh, D Pacheco. 
deeper check. Is the Twitter account I like? Is it kind of funny? Wonderful. Sometimes? And uh, Ayn Rand, anything you want to tell people about? I, uh, do, I would uh, like to promote uh, uh, Friday Night Shows and the Magnet Theater, the executives, uh, sketch comedy. They're very funny people. Uh, and the Saturday Night Shows at the Magnet Theater, improvised comedy with the Armando Diaz experience. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, also, I the most the beautiful accents. There is uh, the megawatt um, at uh, the Magnet Theater as well. Wonderful. Uh, go check out all those shows. Go to my website, jaredbarnstein.com. Check out my improv team, Junior Varsity, every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. Uh, check out the podcast version of Famous Dead People. Rate and review it. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. With any questions or comments, we're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Okay, Mr. People.